You're listening to True Story, a night of true tales told to friends. This story was recorded live at a True Story party in May 2012 in the San Francisco Bay Area. The theme for the night was Unknown Territory. It was a cold night. I was trying to figure out how to optimize my situation, how to micro-optimize sort of everything that was going on around me. So I took my shoulder bag off my shoulders. That's where they go. (laughs) Plopped it down on the ground, sort of pulled out my jacket. And this jacket was much more than a jacket. It was kind of my home for the next uh, six months or or next four months. It had been for two. This was a jacket that I'd I'd gotten while I was living in Paris. I'd been an au pair there, but I'd found that after, after about six, seven months in Paris, I hadn't really had my great finding myself journey. I didn't know what that was going to entail, but it was going to happen. Damn it. I was going to not be boring anymore. Not that I thought I was boring, but I needed to, you know, I needed to sort of have some kind of something to test me. So I decided I needed to move on. I needed to, needed to have my adventure. So I shipped all my shit back to the U.S. to my parents and I bought a backpacking backpack, the aforementioned backpack that goes with the shoulder bag, threw in a couple pairs of pants and bought some t-shirts and I decided I was just going to go hitchhiking around Europe and I was going to find something. I didn't know what, but I was going to, I just had to keep moving until I found what it was that I was searching for. And and part of the plan was that I knew I was going to have a really limited budget. I had about 20 euros a day for food and lodging, which sort of ended up meaning that I could either spend the night inside in a hostel, which cost about 18 euros, uh, and eat pasta and stuff, or I could spend the night outside and have a much better meal that day and have some dinner and like really fill up. <laughs> I, I had formed this plan, so I bought a jacket, and this is, this is the jacket. This was more than a jacket. It was really puffy and really big, and I figured it would double as a sleeping bag. So I had this jacket that I, would, I, I, I put on, and it was really puffy. And I was thinking to myself, as the, as the sun was getting lower in the sky, I was thinking to myself, okay, could I make it through the night? And I'd, I'd done this before. I had a whole plan. I had a trash bag that I'd pull up over my legs because your legs can get cold. It's not really an issue. You know, your feet, that make them warm. But your legs will d- deal with themselves, except for the moisture. you got to keep the moisture out, so you're fucked if, you, if your legs get wet. So you have a trash bag to seal that up, and then you have your big jacket, and you find somewhere on the side of the road or in a park. Public parks are great. And I'm looking around after having put on my jacket, and I'm realizing, shit, I will not survive this night, given what I have, if I have to be outside. Because it turns out it's really cold in Norway in the spring. <laughs> <laughs> So despite the fact that the sun was setting, I had to keep hitching. Now, there are a few basic rules to hitchhiking, one of which is that you never, ever try to do it at night because nobody will pick you up. They think you're a serial killer. So pro tip to serial killers, work during the day. (laughs) Everyone's just so much more trusting. They're like, oh, yes, this looks like a friendly guy. And I did try and look like a friendly guy. I had very colorfully painted fingernails. Led to some other interesting situations, uh, and and I had you know crazy wily stringy hair, and I was just kind of bouncing around. I was like, I'm the fun kind of guy you want to have in your car, <laughs> and that was the image you try and exude. 
but the problem is when it when it starts to get dark, you're you're a little in trouble. So basically, the only hope left at that point is the truckers. You got to go for the truckers because they're going to be doing it all night, and they're not really worried that you're going to kill them because what would you do with the giant truck? Like you can't. I just I don't even know how that would work, and you're not as worried that they're going to kill you because they've got a giant trot. <laughs> The truck is very grounding. <laughs> so I started making the rounds. I was at a, at a petrol stop. And uh, the way you do this, right, is you, you walk up to a truck and you scan the license plate and you keep that in your short-term memory. And you ask the guy, first of all, hi, do you speak English? And that cuts out a third of the people. Uh, and then you sort of... Do you speak any other language we speak together? And you do that negotiation. And at some point you're like, could you give me a ride? I'm heading north. Um, and a lot of them give you the excuse that like their, their big truck is GPS tracked and their employer knows if they take on any extra customers and that affects gas and they're not allowed to do it and it's against policy. And it's true. It is. But basically they're just blowing you off. That's an excuse. So eventually I found this, this guy. Um, and when a guy says yes – you, you take that license plate number that you've got in your mind and you sort of take a moment and you text it to this friend you've got waiting. And you've prearranged with this friend to know that you're just going to be sending them license plate numbers. And at the end of every day, you're just going to check in and say, I'm good. And if you're ever not checking in or not good, they know where to start looking. This is a really good thing to, to do, not because you necessarily need to, you know, need to do it, but because occasionally... Uh, I, I've had to mention that I do this to the person I'm in the car with. You know, something starts getting a little sketchy, feeling a little weird, and you just casually work it into conversation that, of course, it's not them, and it's not that you don't trust them, but you text the license plate number of every car you get into just as a happy precaution because you live in a happy world, and they're like, oh, okay, great. We're not going to go down that shady alley or wherever we were going to go. So this trucker guy says, yeah, you can hop in. So I hop in. And we start going. And we've got like 500 kilometers to go. I was, I was trying to get to Trondheim, Trondheim. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it. Way up north. We were in Oslo. And we're going along. And we start chatting. And it turns out this guy is amazingly knowledgeable. Okay, so he knows about the politics in California. Schwarzenegger was the big topic at the time. He knows about AMD versus Intel processors and why you would want one as opposed to the other, like down to the level of like how much cash different models have, which is not something your average Joe knows. He's just incredibly knowledgeable. So we have this great time. We start sort of chatting, but I'm, I'm very guarded because you have to be. And it's your job as a, as a hitcher to amuse the person, stay awake, have good conversation. And so we do and we're chatting and it's, it's great. Um, and eventually we stop to get some food. We, we stop at this little little gas station, and this guy says, yeah, don't worry about it. I got you. And I was like, wow, thank you. And I've got to say, Romanians are amazing. It just when you travel, hang out with them. Find them. It's, it's great. They're super generous. They're like <laughs> – they're just like – they want to be really helpful. They're really friendly. It's, it's amazing. So – so he gets me dinner, and we get back in the car, and we're chatting. And being in one of these large trucks, this is a large truck, right? It's a, it's a sweet ride because you've got the cabin of the truck that's hoisted up on its own sort of suspension system, like a, like a 
normal car has suspension, which they tell you is for your comfort. It's actually mostly to, apparently to keep uh, all four wheels on the ground, so you have control a lot of the time. Um, so one of these big trucker systems has that suspension system too for you know full contact. It's also got another suspension system just for the cabin. So you're just floating on air. You see like big rifts in the pavement, and you just float over them. But then of course you've got we had two giant trailers full of stuff behind us. And they, those didn't have suspension, so they would hit the ground and torque us, and we would sort of shake, and it was, it was a little jarring. Um, so I'm getting comfortable, and I, I, we sort of we, – we were cool. And as we're going, he notices on his dashboard he's got a temperature gauge, and he's, he turns over to me just very calmly and says, you know, heads up. If it drops another two degrees, we're going to have to pull over for the night because the, the road will be too icy. We're already at like negative 11 Celsius or something. Uh, we, can't, we can't go any lower. And I'm thinking to myself, it's a good thing. I did not try and spend the night outside. <laughs> so we start heading up this hill. And at this point, we're, we're comfortable chatting with each other. And he, he's sort of, he's a little playful. And he turns over to me and says, hey, guess what? And obligingly, I say, what? And he says, did you know that trucks, this is all in sort of a halting English-German mix-up. He's like, did you know that trucks in Norway... Uh, have have a speed limit. They can't go faster than 90 kilometers an hour. There's like a legal limit of 80 or something, but the truck can't go faster than 90 kilometers an hour. And I'm like, what do you mean it can't go faster than not like what happens at night? He's like, they just can't, and he floors it. <laughs> <laughs> so we start accelerating slowly, and we're we're going up this hill, and I'm I'm watching the speedometer crank up, and you know we're we were at like 75 or something, which is not very fast for those of us who drive at 75 miles an hour pretty regularly. But when you're in a gigantic truck, there's more consequence to everything. So we start speeding up, and it goes past 80. We get up to like 85, <laughs> and then 88, and then we're getting near 90. And this is happening right as we're getting sort of near the top of the hill. He I realized in retrospect that he knew this route really well and timed this for dramatic effect. <laughs> so we're getting up to the top of the hill, and it's, you know, just before the top, it sort of hits 90, and you can feel it. The gas just cuts. And that's just how it works. The, it, it can't actually go faster than 90, because when it hits 90, the gas stops. And he's kind of grinning at me, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's a, you know, I'm thinking to myself, wow, this, this is a really well-optimized sort of traffic enforcement system. I, I was very, very sort of into that because that's, that's what I was about. And so we start, start going down. We you know, head over the peak and we start going down. And he's, he's looking at me expectantly. And I'm looking at him and he starts to crack a grin and I'm starting to get worried. <laughs> like maybe he's going to kill me, maybe what's going on? And then he says, "But the brakes don't kick in." <laughs> and my eyes flash from his eyes to the speedometer and I see it and it's past 90 now and rising. And I go, "Oh shit." Because we are barreling down an icy road in the middle of Norway with nothing within 100 kilometers of us. And he's taking the road markings as general guidelines, swerving between our side of the road and the other side of the road, kind of with abandon in this gigantic machine. I'm thinking if we hit anything, we're going to be squashed in two seconds flat. And here he is grinning. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. And I see it go and it breaks 95 and 100 
and it breaks 110 and it's getting up on 120 and it hits 120 and I'm thinking, oh, phew, we're stopped. And then I realize, no, it's just that the speedometer doesn't go past 120 and we're still accelerating. <laughs> and he's still looking at me kind of expectantly. I mean, he does have sort of one eye on the road, but he's looking at me and waiting for something. And what's there to do but grin and laugh all the way down the mountain? You've been listening to True Story. Our theme music is from Daniel Steinbach's album, The Blade. To comment on this podcast, or to listen to any of our previous stories, you can find us in iTunes or at truestorytime.org. Everyone, I hardly know you, but when something comes and grabs a hold, take the hands that open. Up a life that's led is something gold. I've been alone, I've been so. Long.